Day 4 of Totus Tuus' Novena to St. Joseph With quotes from Blessed John Paul II's Apostolic Exhortation Redemptoris Custos As can be deduced from the Gospel text, Joseph's marriage to Mary is the juridical basis of his fatherhood. It was to assure fatherly protection for Jesus that God chose Joseph to be Mary's spouse. It follows that Joseph's fatherhood, a relationship that places him as close as possible to Christ, to whom every election and predestination is ordered, comes to pass through marriage to Mary, that is, through the family. While clearly affirming that Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and that virginity remained intact in the marriage, the evangelists refer to Joseph as Mary's husband and to Mary as his wife. And while it is important for the Church to profess the virginal conception of Jesus, it is no less important to uphold Mary's marriage to Joseph because juridically, Joseph's fatherhood depends on it. Thus one understands why the generations are listed according to the genealogy of Joseph. Why, St. Augustine asks, should they not be according to Joseph? Was he not Mary's husband? Scripture states, through the authority of an angel, that he was her husband. Do not fear, says the angel, to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph was told to name the child, although not born from his seed. She will bear a son, the angel says, and you will call him Jesus. Scripture recognizes that Jesus is not born of Joseph's seed, since, in his concern about the origin of Mary's pregnancy, Joseph is told that it is of the Holy Spirit. Nonetheless, he is not deprived of his fatherly authority from the moment that he is told to name the child. Finally, even the Virgin Mary, well aware that she has not conceived Christ as a result of conjugal relations with Joseph, still calls him Christ's father. The son of Mary is also Joseph's son by virtue of the marriage bond that unites them. By reason of their faithful marriage, both of them deserve to be called Christ's parents, not only his mother, but also his father, who was a parent in the same way that he was the mother's spouse, in mind, not in flesh. In this marriage, None of the requisites of marriage were lacking. In Christ's parents, all the goods of marriage were realized, offspring, fidelity, the sacrament, the offspring being the Lord Jesus himself, fidelity, since there was no adultery, the sacrament, since there was no divorce. Analyzing the nature of marriage, both St. Augustine and St. Thomas always identify it with an indivisible union of souls, 
a union of hearts, with consent. These elements are found in an exemplary manner in the marriage of Mary and Joseph. At the culmination of the history of salvation, when God reveals his love for humanity through the gift of the word, it is precisely the marriage of Mary and Joseph that brings to realization in full freedom the spousal gift of self in receiving and expressing such a love. In this great undertaking, which is the renewal of all things in Christ, marriage, it too purified and renewed, becomes a new reality, a sacrament of the new covenant. We see that at the beginning of the New Testament, as at the beginning of the Old, there is a married couple. But whereas Adam and Eve were the source of evil which was unleashed on the world, Joseph and Mary are the summit from which holiness spreads all over the earth. The Saviour began the work of salvation by this virginal and holy union, wherein is manifested his all-powerful will to purify and sanctify the family, that sanctuary of love and cradle of life. How much the family of today can learn from this. The essence and role of the family are, in the final analysis, specified by love. Hence the family has the mission to guard, reveal and communicate love. And this is a living reflection of, and a real sharing in, God's love for humanity, and the love of Christ the Lord for the Church his bride. This being the case, it is in the Holy Family, the original Church in miniature, Ecclesia Domestica, that every Christian family must be reflected. Through God's mysterious design, it was in that family that the Son of God spent long years of a hidden life. It is therefore the prototype and example for all Christian families. St. Joseph was called by God to serve the person and mission of Jesus directly through the exercise of his fatherhood. It is precisely in this way that, as the Church's liturgy teaches, he cooperated in the fullness of time in the great mystery of salvation and is truly a minister of salvation. This fatherhood is expressed concretely in his having made his life a service, a sacrifice to the mystery of the Incarnation and to the redemptive mission connected with it, in having used the legal authority which was his over the Holy Family in order to make a total gift of self, of his life and work, in having turned his human vocation to domestic love into a superhuman oblation of self, an oblation of his heart and all his abilities into love placed at the service of the Messiah, growing up in his house. In recalling that the beginnings of our redemption were entrusted to the faithful care of Joseph, the liturgy specifies that God placed him at the head of his family, 
as a faithful and prudent servant, so that with fatherly care he might watch over his only begotten son. Leo XIII emphasised the sublime nature of this mission. He, among all, stands out in his august dignity, since by divine disposition he was guardian, and according to human opinion, father of God's Son. Whence it followed that the word of God was subjected to Joseph. He obeyed him, and rendered to him that honour and reverence that children owe to their father. Since it is inconceivable that such a sublime task would not be matched by the necessary qualities to adequately fulfil it, we must recognise that Joseph showed Jesus, by a special gift from heaven, all the natural love, all the affectionate solicitude that a father's heart can know. Besides fatherly authority over Jesus, God also gave Joseph a share in the corresponding love, the love that has its origin in the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The Gospels clearly describe the fatherly responsibility of Joseph toward Jesus. For salvation, which comes through the humanity of Jesus, is realised in actions which are an everyday part of family life in keeping with that condescension which is inherent in the economy of the Incarnation. The Gospel writers carefully show how, in the life of Jesus, nothing was left to chance, but how everything took place according to God's predetermined plan. The oft-repeated formula, this happened so that there might be fulfilled, in reference to a particular event in the Old Testament, serves to emphasise the unity and continuity of the plan which is fulfilled in Christ. With the Incarnation, the promises and figures of the Old Testament become reality. Places, persons, events and rites interrelate according to precise divine commands, communicated by angels and received by creatures who are particularly sensitive to the voice of God. Mary is the Lord's humble servant, prepared from eternity for the task of being the mother of God. Joseph is the one whom God chose to be the overseer of the Lord's birth, the one who has the responsibility to look after the Son of God's ordained entry into the world in accordance with divine dispositions and human laws. All of the so-called private or hidden life of Jesus is entrusted to Joseph's guardianship. Let us pray. To you, O blessed Joseph, we come in our trials, and having asked the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently ask your patronage also. Through that sacred bond of charity, which united you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and through the fatherly love with which you embraced the child Jesus, we humbly beg you to look graciously upon the beloved inheritance which Jesus Christ purchased by his blood, 
and to aid us in our necessities with your power and strength. O most provident guardian of the Holy Family, defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. Most beloved Father, dispel the evil of falsehood and sin. Our most mighty protector, graciously assist us from heaven in our struggle with the powers of darkness. And just as you once saved the child Jesus from mortal danger, so now defend God's holy church from the snares of her enemies and from all adversity. Shield each one of us by your constant protection, so that, supported by your example and your help, we may be able to live a virtuous life, to die a holy death, and to obtain eternal happiness in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.